Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Puba, Senator, Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some scotch, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 114th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We are going to smoke a New World cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our former lizard rating. We revisit Oliva in a different line. We discuss cigar aficionados, top 25 cigars from 2023, and Pagoda and Senator recap their trip to Panama, all among a variety of other things for the next 90 minutes. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair 14-year-age Glenmorangie Quinta Ruben single malt scotch with the Oliva Siri V Milanio Maduro in Figurado. Nicaraguan Figurado tonight on the pod from Oliva. It's another entry from their Siri V line. This one is the Milanio in Maduro. It's a 52 ring gauge cigar by six and a half inches long. And this comes at a recommendation of one of our listeners, Ediov. Lizard Ediov. And, you know, we're doing this because episode 99, that Lancero performed so well. Mm-hmm. I think we got a 9.7. I think we've all been really excited to try some more Oliva. So here we are tonight. This is a handsome cigar. It's a beautiful cigar. And I would almost argue this is not even a box press. It's almost like a it's unusual. rectangular press. <laughs> It's a, it's, a gra, it's a Grand Reserva. Grand Reserva, it says, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Limitada. Grand Reserva Limitada. Beautiful, toothy wrapper. Fortunately, these are not $250 like the Cuban Grand Reserva Limitadas. All right, boys, let's cut this thing. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. This cigar was named Cigar of the Year, actually, by Cigar Aficionado in 2014, 10 years ago now. Is this the third Oliva V? That we're doing? It is. Right? This is the first in the Milanio series. 
but we've done the Churchill on episode 37, and we did the Lancero on episode 99. So this is the third one from Oliva. The funny thing about this for me, I've only had in the Milanio line the Robusto. Me too. And the Robusto, I feel like the construction is a little more rustic looking. I wouldn't call it all that handsome a cigar, but this looks beautiful. Yeah. You know what's interesting about this too is that the foot is, it's not as closed as the Padron 80 years Maduro that we love, but the draw on just that first cut is totally different than the Figurado from Padron. It's wide wide open and when you cut that 80th from padron it's it's a little tight for the first three to five minutes a bit but this is quite open yeah yeah this is quite open you know uh, it's funny you say that because we had the 80th uh, yesterday and uh it was so i the draw was tight for all three of us and uh, i was wondering what was driving it i thought it was a humidity that might have really compressed it but it did open up after you know uh a, I guess a couple of minutes. So. I think that's part yeah. of their design in that cigar. As you burn through that foot, it does open up. It does. The 80th, yeah. And I think this is going to, you know, even for how open it is on this cold draw, mm. I think it's going to open even more. Yeah. What kind of uh, flavor notes are you getting on the cold Cedar. draw? Cedar. I'm getting a little dried fruit, but I tried it's to that. Yeah. not a terribly flavorful dr uh, cold draw for mm -mm. me. I got a little mint. Hmm. I don't know why. Maybe that was a mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> what did that cigar mouthwash about the other day? Fresh, in the, in the words of Farmer Ted, fresh, fresh <laughs> breath is a priority in my life. <laughs> Does anyone know that line? <laughs> 16 Candles. Remember when... Uh, I love that movie. When uh, Anthony Michael Hall, he's in, the, he's in the car and he climbs over onto Molly Ringwald because he... You know, he's trying to give her a kiss for, for, for his birthday. She's like, what is that? He's like, it's certs. It's not. And he pulls the certs out. I remember certs when He pulls the certs out. He puts it. He goes, fresh breath is a priority in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, let's light this thing. The Oliva Siri V Figurado in the Milanio series. This is a Maduro. Again, it's a 52 ring gauge cigar by six and a half inches long. Do we know how much this cigar cost? Yeah, this is right around 18, 19 bucks now. Really? That's I think you can get it a little less than that on wow. the internet. Um, That's premium. But, but I think retail, That's I expensive. mean, when it launched 10 years ago, it was 15 bucks. So Interesting. We'll say, you know, my wife bought me these Calibri things. Oh, yeah, you have a heavy-duty car. I have, I, have, I have, like, these, like, heavy-duty accessories now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lighter, so heavy. And the cutter is so heavy that I could kill somebody with this. It's <laughs> absolutely a weapon. It's a weapon. But I will say the lighter has been perform performing better than the cutter. Like, it definitely holds a shitload of fuel. And hmm. it's not terrible. Is that a Calibri or is that a DuPont? It, look, it's, it's it looks it's like, like a, a knockoff almost. Yeah, it looks like a DuPont. <laughs> of an extreme, of a DuPont... <laughs> Doesn't it? I, yeah, I love it Rooster's judging it because it's not a DuPont. Yeah. Correct. He's a big <laughs> DuPont guy, this guy. Huge. But I mean, it's like a pretty good, it's not bad. It's got a serious flame. It's yeah. got a serious flame like and like it holds a lot of fuel. It's kind of like a single flame almost, like, but a wide single flame or something. It's really nice. You're cool. So what are you guys getting on the uh, the initial light here? This is really delicious. Mm -hmm. Nice and smooth. Nice. Smooth Nicaraguan tobacco. The retro hail's delicious. Mm-hmm. I get oh it is bam yeah so you're, you're getting a lot of dry fruit on the retro hill yep and a little just a touch of spice and some cocoa yeah for me I get some fig mm. yeah yeah 
And we've been calling that out a lot on Nicaraguan cigars. I think we also called it out on the Oliva V. Lancero, but on the light, I think it, I think that had a little bit more spice to it, you know? Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I, 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 I haven't had too many, as much as this mark, this brand mark or whatever you want to call it has because of certain people I know who smoke it, which is <laughs> a horrible thing to associate, but it's, it's a good, it, I, I don't really have bad ones. No, you don't. It's true. Yeah. I, I, I've never smoked an Oliva B, a V and been like, this is, this is shit. Mm-hmm. The only one I actively dislike actually is. But I haven't Milano had a lot of them. But. It's the Milano line at the Robusto. I had that years ago and I remember actively disliking it. I got a, I think it was like when I was first getting into cigars really. And I bought a tenor on Cigars International or one of those. And it just wasn't great. This is a totally different beast from what this I remember. nice actually. I, yeah. I agree. On the Milano Robusto, I just remember it was fairly smooth, but there's a ton of barnyard in that cigar. And it's just so weird that this is from the same line, and I don't get that at all. I'm even getting like raisin now. This is just um, more our speed. I feel like in terms yeah, of the, flavor the regular Oliva V is much better. I think true. compared to the Milano line, true. but this is unlike. This feels a lot like a Padron 80. It does. It does. Yes, I agree. In, in your hand, it, it's almost like if if the band, even the band, the colors are like yeah. very similar. So, it's true. so burgundy wait, and gold. So right? is the Milano wait? I, I, Explain something. So is the Milano Maduro, what was the, the line you spoke of that you didn't like? It's the Milano in He's general. It, it's, so the Robusto in Milano, like Senator said earlier, we weren't fans of that. But the regular Oliva V, like the Churchill and other mm-hmm. sizes. The Lancero. Like, like we did, we, we did yeah. the Churchill on the pod, which was. Oh, okay. Right. No, no, no. I thought you said the non, almost like there was a. Different something different in the line. No, it, it is the Milano line. This is just a different uh, Vitola in the Milano. Oh, I see. Okay. So which we, I think so far it's performing great and it's sure. it's better than the other Milano. I mean, I haven't had a lot of Milano. Neither have I. But they weren't memorable to mm-hmm. really go out and, yep. you know, source more. No. This is I, good. I love this this really pressed down rectangular shape of this. I think it feels really good in the hand. Yeah. Like I'm kind of holding it with all five fingers, you know, like... Mm-hmm. It it, well, it just feels really good. You have small hands. <laughs> <laughs> We've established that from Gizmo Cigar Photos. Correct. Uh, okay. Is there any Cuban cigar that's like box pressed like this? No. 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 They don't not box like press, do they? No. No. Not, not ac- n- accidentally. I was going to say not intentionally. <laughs> right. 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 They're accidentally. I wonder why pressed. that is. Well, you get semi. It's just not their style. Well, in a dress Rolling. box, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but not on purpose. No. You know. No, like yeah. like like an up and on a hato semi. This is true. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's just like a a, a choice. Uh, I mean, of the brands or even the region. I mean, if you think of Davidoff, they only make one box press cigar, and it's a Nicaraguan. That's true. Right. A lot of Nicaraguans true. are box press, yeah. so I think it's like a very Nicaraguan thing mm-hmm. to like. I just had before we started uh, recording, I lit up a Nicaraguan puro from another brand that maybe we'll do at some point, and that was yeah. box press, and I think it's a big Nicaraguan thing. You know, another thing I learned the other day, like I always wonder about Cuban tobacco does not need a lot of age, right? We all agree with that. Like even when we go to the factories, the production manager, Danilo, has always mentioned like, you know, this is age, like tobacco's age about a month, you know, 40 days, 50 days, and that's about that's it. Common. But Nicaraguan tobacco usually needs a lot of age why is that 
Oh, I, I think for I, sure it's the strength. Sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, the strength also, which comes from the soil. The, the soil gr- and the yeah. climate. The Cuban yeah. soil is very neutral. Mm-hmm. The pH on Cuban soil is right around 7. But Nicaraguan soil, being that it's volcanic, it's very acidic. Mm. So it needs a lot more time for fermentation because being that it's acidic and it's stronger and it just needs more time. Wow, I like yeah. it. You're getting, you're getting yeah. very chemistry on yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, damn, the, damn, homeboy. The, 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 uh, it, was a, it was a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is just by virtue of... But it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Nicaraguan tobacco is, it's just a different animal. I'm really enjoying the draw. The draw oh. is fantastic. I just, Actually, it's, uh, you know, we just have to kiss it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. that's exactly it. It may be too open, just a touch, because you can go through this one really quick. Yeah, if if you're pulling too hard on this, I think it might bite you a little bit. I agree and you're with gonna, you. It's true. You're going to take this cigar, true. which probably should last you an hour twenty, hour thirty at yeah. the least, mm-hmm. and you're going to go through it in fifty-five minutes. It's worth nursing this one. So one thing with this, I intentionally did not take a lot off the end because Same. I could tell that this yeah. would probably have a very open draw since yep. the foot wasn't so closed. Mm-hmm. We're on a Padron 80th that has a much sharper point at the foot. I'll take off a little bit more because I need just some better airflow. So I think for anybody who smokes this or really any Figurado that has a more open foot, you probably just need to take less off to just create a little bit more resistance so the draw is not too open. That's always good practice too because you could, you could always take more off yeah, as you're going through it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit surprised at the price point of the cigar. Uh, me too. It's on the higher end of Oliva. It is. Yeah. Milanio, Milanio, for some reason, they price higher than even their Serie V. And when this whole line was launched in 2012, this had a price point of 14 or 15 bucks retail, and people were kind of up in arms about it. And this is 10 years ago. Obviously, a $14, $15 cigar now, you know, is not that crazy, right? An Exclusivo is around that price, and certainly a lot less tobacco than this. But when it was launched, people were a little surprised that Oliva was taking that sort of a leap. You know, and that's only 10 years ago. It's it's, it's very Padron-esque. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Right? I agree. It is. I mean, to your point, how many times do we hear that a cigar is Padron-like or a Padron killer, all of that? This is it. (laughs) This is probably (laughs) one of the closest cigars I've had, Nicaraguan cigars, to a Padron. Yeah. And it's half the price. Yeah. And the quality. So even at that that 17, 18, I mean, you're looking at probably low 30s, right, for a Padron 80th single in a... Retail shop, maybe thirty-five. Yeah, and you so. know, you know, you, you you see, I've seen a decent amount of cigar smokers who are regular cigar smokers who have had, who have tried different things, and they like these. So that says something. I mean, you know, the economics do come into play when choosing what you're going to smoke. You know. Um, and it's different strokes for different folks. Just because the Exclusivo is maybe a better exemplification of a Nicaraguan Pura than this may be, that doesn't mean it's accessible to everybody all the time. Retail, I mean, this is just a hair cheaper than that Exclusivo, isn't it? Or I think, do you, you mean the Padron 80th, which would be the yeah, analog Yeah, case. the Padron 80th. Oh, sure. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't mean a, 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 an, ex, an Exclusivo necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, if I said that, I misspoke. But okay. Um, but this is a more approachable kind of cousin to that, that, that maybe, you know, that, that fits in somebody's wheelhouse. I just, I just see these 
people like these cigars. There's yeah. a market for these. And They're consistent. I think it's a reason for it. They stand, you know, the brand is obviously a quality brand. And I think that it's also important too. And I, I mean, listen, I know we're very early on to say this, but just from the the draw, the way it's constructed, a little mm -hmm. less tobacco, this is kind of like a gateway drug for oh. me. Yeah. To the 80th for someone who's uninitiated. Very approachable. I'm True. glad you said that because when Puba used the word approachable for this, that's exactly where my head is. That like this cigar is what I would give someone who is starting to get into Nicaraguan mm -hmm. tobacco, maybe sees me smoking an 80th and I'm saying this is probably going to be a little much for that person. They haven't smoked enough Nicaraguan tobacco to appreciate it. If you start them here, I feel like this has a bit less strength than the 80th does and is super smooth and would be a great entry point in. And then after that, they could probably enjoy an 80th. And for me too, I smoked an 80th last night and I had had a light meal and it was late. And when I was smoking it down in the last third, I was like, you know, I wish I ate a little more. Like it was a little bit more of an oomph that I wanted at 1130 at night. And I almost wish I had this in my hand. Hmm. Not that it's better, but it's just, it's a step down from that powerhouse of a cigar that the 80th is, you know? It's very many, disappointing. Uh, how many come in a box? I think there's 10 in a box of this. Yeah, it comes in a box of 10, nice cedar box. I'll look here. The, the box is actually nice. I like it the is. presentation. Yeah, the, it is. The presentation's beautiful. It's they're very like, classic, like Padron. They're like angled, yes. the way they yeah. present the cigars, which I really like. Yep. I think the better word is fanned. It's That's like right. fanned out. That's right. You know? So um, Good correction there, Giz. <laughs> well, I mean, we're geometry specialists. Yes, on this you podcast. are. Well, Chemists and, chemist uh, and geometry. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? <laughs> So, boys, let's talk about the makeup of the cigar. It's actually not a Nicarag Nicaraguan Puro like you might think, and I think that's one of the distinguishing factors of the Melania line. The wrapper is Ecuadorian Sumatra, and the binder and filler are from Nicaragua. So if you want to compare the lines, you know, the Siri V is a blend of Nicaraguan Habano filler tobaccos with a high concentration of Lijero, obviously a little bit more oomph to that, and the wrapper on the Siri V is a sun-grown Habano. On the Melania, like I just said, it's Ecuadorian Sumatra, and the filler and binder are Nicaraguan. The blend on this was tweaked to be smoother than the Oliva V-Line, and I think that's why they're trying to command a higher price point, is they're delivering it as a more refined experience for the smoker, and I think that they're putting a bit of a premium on that. I really like the Sumatra wrapper. I find it very nice. It's beautiful. It, it, yeah, I, I do. I, it, it's like that that comes up over and over in various New World cigars, and we we like it. We tend to like that wrapper because it's a it's a Maduro, but it's not you know it's not it, it's a, it, it's Ecuadorian. It's not a Nicar it's Nic not a Nicaraguan wrapper. Yeah, um, and maybe that's something to that. I mean, um, I'm curious how much of that actually plays into the, the change in flavor from the V line, or is it a, a time thing that they're not. Like, I'm curious what the blending decision is, how much the wrapper actually affects the flavor on this. Like, I'm curious what the actual chemistry, the chemical makeup of the, that difference in is flavor is. Is there a natural in this? There is a natural in the Melania one. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So let's go through some of the other Vitolas in the Oliva V Melania line. The, they have a Churchill, which is the same size as the Oliva V line. It's a 50 ring gauge by 7 inches, of course. They have Bam's favorite. They have a double Toro. Look at that. 
The one and only double. It's Toro. an actual Vitola. 60 ring gauge by six <laughs> inches long. How much did you pay them to make that after you said there was a double Toro? <laughs> What'd you say that on double, uh, episode two, I think? It was quite the investment. Yeah. <laughs> the 52 ring gauge torpedo by 6.5 inches long. The Toro, which is 52 by six. The Robusto we mentioned earlier, 52 ring gauge by five. They have a Petite Corona, which is an interesting one. Rooster, I'm sure, would be into that. 46 ring gauge by four and a half. And finally, the Figurata we have in our hands here, which is 52 ring gauge by six and a half. And what's interesting, too, about this is if you look on the internet at retailers and you look at the dimensions, I'm actually glad I went to Oliva's website, there's jumping numbers of what the actual ring gauge of the cigar is. So some have 52, some have 54. It's very inconsistent. Oliva says it's 52. So that's you got to trust I mean, that. That's right. There's with. no way this is 54. I agree, but all the retailers say it is. <laughs> so a couple of the guys in the room just got back from Panama. Pagoda and Senator were just there. Panama. Doing a little secret <laughs> cigar trip. Industry trip. How was it? What's the takeaways? Are well, we, are we allowed to tell? <laughs> well, <laughs> the floor you is yours. <laughs> Listen, I'm going silent now. <laughs> no, it was excellent. It's uh, Panama is one of those uh, cities, uh, you know, which uh, I've really uh, come to like. Um, I, I think uh, it's uh, one of those cities which gives you a part of the new world experience with skyscrapers. You know, it's very Miami-like, I would like to think, right on the water. And then they have an old town as well. Uh, which is uh, also very beautiful, you know, with a lot of historical, you know, uh, at least the facades in front. Uh, and um, what they've done is uh, they've reconstructed things from inside and built really modern bars and uh, restaurants and great food, uh, great drinks. And uh, it's just one of the cities. It's a great destination for a short trip. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. So this was your second trip to Panama. Yeah, second trip, right. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spent New Year's there. It was uh, excellent with a few good friends and uh, uh, just had an excellent time. Uh, great, great weather. Uh, great, great weather. Uh, it's, awesome. uh, it was in the 80s. It does rain on and off, uh, typically around two or three for whatever reason. <laughs> but they're passing showers and they'll come right. and they'll go. Nice. It's and, very, very uh, tropical. Yeah. yeah. Very Florida-like. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, wherever you're standing, you could see water from whichever part of Panama, you may be, uh, it's, uh, um, some of the hotels are beautiful. It's, uh, you know, um, a step above. It feels like you're walking uh, in some kind of a historical district. And then, you know, 10 minutes away, you're <laughs> right in the middle of skyscrapers. And, right. and uh, yeah. Much, very, very seems nice. like much different than Cuba. Uh, uh, very, uh, very different. Yeah. Polar opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you fly directly into Panama. No uh, switching flights. No anything. switching flights. It's... Uh, uh, direct flight, you know, about uh, four hours, 40 minutes to so about five hours. And, uh, you know, multiple flights and easy place uh, to go to. Um, uh, it is a little expensive during December, but otherwise they're reasonable flights. And um, the hotel we were staying at had a casino. There are a lot of casinos out there. So uh, we met a couple of people who felt that instead of flying to Vegas, where you end up spending so much money and everything is so much more expensive, you can come to a place like uh, Panama and experience essentially the same kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, like good food, uh, you know, gambling. The, like it's it's like a lot of things. Panama has a lot of things to offer. Mm. And how, are the, how are the people? 
People are friendly, friendly, reasonably friendly, but you know, you come across people from all over the world. It does have, it seems like over 100, 200 banks. Every building is a different bank, which you've wow. never really heard of. And the skyscrapers with big signage. And and so you do have a lot of international community over there. Um, yeah, just overall a great vibe. That's great. So, I, I mean, for me, I had no idea what to expect because this was my first time visiting. Obviously, Pagoda's been there twice. I was blown away. I mean, it's a weird place. And I say that because it, it is so westernized and like American, like you wouldn't expect. I've never been to any Latin American country where, I kid you not, there are more American fast food chains in Panama City. And by the way, when we keep saying Panama, we're talking about Panama City, Panama. There are more American fast food chains in Panama City than I've seen in any major city in the U.S. It's insane. We saw, I mean, the obvious ones, McDonald's, Burger King, Subway, all that. There's Carl's Jr. There what? was an Olive Garden in the airport. Well, that's if you want to get great Italian, that's where <laughs> oh, you go. Oh, it's excellent. <laughs> Just, I couldn't believe it. Their currency is the U.S. dollar. Wow. You, you, it's probably the easiest place for an American to travel in Latin America and not have to feel like it's a big culture shock or they need to adjust and exchange currency or, you know, know an, a, an, know an extensive amount of Spanish to really get by there. You don't. So I was just very confused when I, I mean, the airport experience, I'm just looking around like, why is there an Olive Garden in the Panama airport? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. So comfort food. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's odd. And then you go to like downtown Panama City and like Pagoda said, I mean, there are skyscrapers everywhere uh, the development in that city is insane the amount of money that's just been poured in wow. and invested and it's not even just standard skyscrapers i mean i have this one photo you guys have to see this this is probably one of the coolest skyscrapers i've ever seen and and all of them honestly are like very intricately designed let me just pull this one up. are you going to show the twisted building yeah you know exactly oh, yeah, what I'm exactly about. Yeah. senator i mean do you think the unlimited breadsticks is a catalyst for this <laughs> economic development <laughs> look at this building look how cool this looks oh, that's crazy it's like a, it's like a twister. oh wow look at that it's like a drill i'm curious bam as an architect that's, I mean, that's what, quite expensive to build yeah is, that is not a cheap building not at all wow so just the whole downtown is really cool wow. and i think one of the other things that i was i was surprised and and i think is a merit there you know you visit certain countries like you visit cuba you visit puerto rico um you visit really any of these uh, you visit colombia like most people in Cuba are Cuban, right? The, the locals who actually live there year round. Most people in Colombia are Colombian. You visit Panama and it's like this melting pot. You meet people who are locals and live there from Colombia, Panama, Venezuela, Cuba. I mean, just all over the place. So for me, it was just very cool. Like, I feel like, you know, we're in the New York area and we're used to kind of a melting pot of a city. And uh, to have that there was just really unique. I, I It was so fun. Like every time we're in an Uber and... You know, we're talking to the cab driver, asking where he's from. Every time it was like a different country. You know, you get in a cab in Cuba, where are you from? Cuba. It's a very simple answer. Yeah. You know what to expect. I have never met a person from Panama. Neither have I. Mean, I work with a lot of Latin American people, but mm -hmm. nobody has ever said, I'm from Panama. That's unique. I also know someone that retired. They didn't have kids, a couple that I used to work with. <laughs> they retired early 50s, sold everything, and they moved to Panama City. And that's where Oh, I my lived. gosh. I do know someone from Panama. <laughs> Wild story. So when I was in college, um, this was my senior year when me and a lot of my friends had kind of checked out and we knew what we were doing after and we were kind of done with college. Um, there's this thing called the faculty club where basically it's this very nice, like like any member club 
that only the faculty can dine and drink at. So there's like a watering hole for a watering hole for all the faculty. We somehow, a buddy of mine, kind of found his way into this place and ingratiated himself with this woman named Cynthia, who was the bartender there. And she would let us as undergrads sneak in and drink there all day long. And they made amazing cocktails. And it, the, everyone around us, it was so funny. We were going there so often, like there'd be no tables in the like um, this garden room they had. And the staff would literally just make people move their tables, bring in tables from another room in the center of the room. And like, we'd all just sit there and drink. It was awesome. But this woman was from Panama, the most hospitable, kind woman I have ever met in my life. And having been there, I can't say that we met a ton of Panama nationals or, or Panamanians, but we did meet some and they were incredibly nice, super kind. So I feel like the the culture of the people there is... Um, Cuban-esque, honestly, in terms of like the hospitality, which is really nice. Uh, Pagoda said there's a lot of good food there. One bizarre thing that we found, for whatever reason, a cuisine that you would least expect to be good in Panama is great. Can I take a guess? I know what it is. Italian, Olive Garden. I was going to say sushi. Greek. <laughs> it's Italian food. Oh, wow. That's why I mean, Olive, Garden Olive Garden changed everything, Puba. I mean, like, we went to a steakhouse, <laughs> and I was expecting, I'm like, oh, you know, they probably, like, fly in some great meat from Argentina or something. Steak was mediocre. It wasn't great. We go to this little Italian place right around the corner from our hotel, and um, I think we were there for lunch and, like, got a Caesar salad, something simple. Like, how how bad could they make a Caesar salad? And uh, which was fine. And then we just got like a little individual pizza to share. And we knew we're like, this is probably going to suck. The pizza. I mean, we have a member at our lounge who makes, makes his pizza. own pizza. Yeah. And we've all been to his house. Amazing pizza. Was it that good? It's similar to his. Really? It's like thin ne crust, Neapolitan, Neapolitan style. No it was uh, mushroom and truffle oil. I wow. mean, it was so good. And I couldn't believe. And then what'll really blow your mind, we'll have to talk about the cigar lounge. So we found. No joke, the nicest cigar lounge I have visited in any country in the world, period. You have, traveled, you have traveled a lot. A lot. So, I, mean, I mean, Singapore, London, like every major like city you'd expect nice I'm cigar lounges. I'm kind of lounges. flabbergasted. That's a big statement. Yeah. That's huge. a huge statement. We find this place on like Google. We go, we get dropped off. There's like Porsches and Range Rovers parked outside. We're like, okay, there's clearly, you know, people This who, is center just kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dual citizen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me, I would be if I could. Hey, that's my card, uh, only not. <laughs> we walk in this place, just the seating alone, the furniture, the nicest tufted leather chairs I've seen better than the Grand Havana room when that existed in Manhattan. Any nice cigar lounge that any of us have ever been to Wipes the floor with it. I mean, super high quality, really comfortable seating. They've got a full bar restaurant um, off to the side and after the main room. It's like this private room. It has like an 80-inch TV, a pool table, all these couches, wow. everything. They were so hospitable. They let the six of us have the whole private room to ourselves. No fee for it. There is a button on every table. When you want service, you just click the button. Somebody appears like the snap of your fingers. It's unbelievable. I need that in my house. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we been at a place that has like a full service restaurant and bar for cigars where you're waiting like 20 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes just to put in a drink order it's when you get common. there? It's insane. Service was spectacular. And then in the back, they have this huge outdoor patio that's like got these little um, like sh uh, coverings for shade, another giant 80 inch TV furniture that looks like I mean, you know, it, something you'd see in Miami, like yeah. super high end. 
this place, we, if that existed here, we would spend all, we, our family would never see us. So wow. perfect. So when you guys went, how many guys were there in your party in that private room and how much was it? We didn't, so six. we didn't right? pay, it was six, six in the six room. Six. We didn't pay any extra for the room at all. And the wild thing is we spent hours there. We had drinks and food. And speaking of how crazy this whole Italian thing is there that they make good Italian food. I made a super adventurous choice with the menu there, and I got linguine with clams just to test this ridiculous theory Uh-oh. that Italian food. That's risky. I, that's huge, what I said. I couldn't believe he did that. I know. It Especially made, after the whoa, whoa, whoa. Cuban seafood stories. Well, yeah. that's different. You have to understand, this was like day two or three on the trip where I knew at least the food quality in Panama I never had that's to worry. Fair. That's fair. And Pagoda's looking at me, and he's like, just prepare yourself. The pasta is going to be like super mushy. It's not going to be al dente. I kid you not, this dish comes out. It, I wish I would have photographed it. At the time, I thought of it like most of the plate was devoured. The pasta was perfectly nice. al dente, wow. like a really good Italian restaurant here. The clams were incredible. The so- It was probably top three linguine with clams I've ever had anywhere. And you, I'm in a cigar lounge in Panama City. Do you remember what you paid for that? Like $20. Wow. 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 So we got the bill for the six of us for drinks and a full lunch. Everybody, we got plenty of food. And they charged a $5 cutting fee, $200. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> for six people That's total? Amazing. Six people for hours there. That's food, like Cuban drinks, prices. Cigars. It is. It, it really like is. Th- like $30 a person. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, you could be hanging out there all day. And the food is fantastic. The service was great. Wow. So and, it, you know, if you in, close your eyes and envision a cigar lounge, that's what it is. Wow. So is Panamanian food... Kind of like what? Like what would you? What would you? I mean, like Colombian, Ecuadorian. You tell Cuban. me. That's the funny thing. While we were there, I mean, again, we were in like the nicer areas, not necessarily like the like nicer touristy areas, mm-hmm. so not necessarily the most local of places. If I go back, I definitely want to spend more time pursuing a lot of the more local spots. I agree. I honestly can't tell you because none of these restaurants have any real Panamanian food on yeah, their menus. Nothing traditional. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. No, I do have to tell you, we ended up going to a place called El Pulpito or something, which is the octopus, which you kind of mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the text. Right. Oh, that was the cigar, pulpo. Yeah, yeah. No, so what happened <laughs> is, um, you know, on the menu, there was chicken lollipops. <laughs> have, you know, that's such an Indian that's thing an Indian, to really yeah. think. Mm, yeah. <laughs> But they were fantastic. And, uh, you know, it was like a gastro pub kind of a, a place. It was excellent. Great cocktails, you know, uh, good food, man. I, I was I was actually impressed with food. What's good to hear is that you don't have to have a command of the Spanish language to get around there. And that's, that's nice. That's an advantage. It definitely helps. Oh, yeah. Did you, you see any to. Doritos for Puba? <laughs> lots, lots, actually. Lots, lots of snacks. Lots of snacks. Puba safe then. So. The other thing, you can't go to Panama without seeing the Panama Canal. Oh, so, man. I'm obsessed with the Panama Canal. Always been. <laughs> since you? I was a kid. <laughs> swear to God. Really? So yep. Pagoda got to do it his first trip there. I went with another guy who it was his first time in Panama, too. And uh, it was awesome. The, the wildest part of it, you just expect you have all these massive ships that cross through that. You expect it to be... Huge. huge wide so wide. it's like really deep and narrow hmm. it's so right. narrow i kid you not it's like a matter of inches wow. on each side of the boat it's insane now i have a question don't they raise and lower the elevation of the water based on the size of the boat so that it can pass yeah that's how they do that right unbelievable yeah yeah, yeah. truly unbelievable it's yeah, amazing uh, the whole thing is just so cool. And, you know, we're in the Uber ride over there and um, the Uber driver was showing us there's an American military base there, which we had built when we started construction of the canal. 
and then part of the agreement. So uh, America owned and operated the canal for decades. Senator was a project manager. He was. (laughs) (laughs) And you were the architect. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And um, finally, in 1999, the U.S. uh, gave back control of the canal to Panama. So now Panama gets all the economic, full economic benefit of it. Um, I couldn't believe to learn there are 10,000 Panamanians that work at the canal every year. Wow. I mean, that just tells you the scale of the operation that that is. That's crazy. 10,000 employees. Um, and as we're, as we're going, we see to this day, there's still the American military base there because when we signed it over to Panama in 99, the one stipulation in the agreement is that America to this day retains the right to intervene militarily mm-hmm. to preserve the neutrality of the canal. So that's why we keep the base there. No one can ever basically fuck that's with the canal. Smart. Yeah. And then as we're going past the military base, the Uber driver's telling us, he goes, and there's a college campus right next to it. We're like, what college is this? He goes, Florida State University. What? <laughs> FSU has a campus that's in Panama City. That's got to be a ruse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no way kids are in Panama. I'm sorry. Having taking been on classes this trip, at FSU. I would have taken classes there. I mean, when you think about it, it's an international gateway. Yeah. And it's next so, to the Panama Canal, so, which is, you know, no, I, well, commerce. That's, yeah. Well, that's what I'm that's my point. Yeah. It's an international gateway. So that's so much ancillary money and banking and transactions and there's latage and all yeah. this stuff that that you know you've got you've got cargo you've yeah. got freight sure like m- hundreds of millions of dollars billions mm-hmm. of dollars of freight going through the panama canal from different countries from all around the world all of that and it, it, and it's not like I, I think the senator's point like it doesn't happen like hey I'm at the Panama Canal. We're just going to like cruise through the fuck through here. Hey, can I get through, uh, please? You know, right. Like, like, here's like. My, here's my easy pass. Like, <laughs> you know, this is, this is a vessel, vessel X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. We're, we're coming through. There's, you know, they probably have to refuel. There's things they have to do to get through there. Do you know how do long banking. it takes? I mean, you know, so the all those banks and all that, it's it's an international commerce hub, I guess sure. is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, for sure. Do you know how long it takes to get through the canal no. for these ships? No. On average, 10 hours wow. to cross through the canal. That's wow. amazing. How long is it? So that's the thing. You know, when you're, we were at the uh, Miraflores locks and it, it's this lock system they created. And so there's multiple of them. So when you're at one, you look at it and we watched a full giant ship cross through it, which was amazing. <laughs> But you see it and you're like, oh, that took what, like 30 minutes? That, that's not so bad. But there's many of these that they go through. And wow. so over time, it amounts to 10 hours to pass through the full length of the canal. That would have to be stressful for the captain. Don't you think? Well, this is actually what's crazy. The captain doesn't have to worry about it. So they get tugged through it. Oh. It was cool. We saw there were like Correct. these little. Um, oh, that's tremendous. In, like actual person right. operate. I thought it was just all with technology. It's not. I'm sure years See, from now it will be. I'm sorry, but I'd camp out there with a chair and a cigar. I'd hang out there and watch well, this whole thing. You, you couldn't the cigar because the funny thing is we're sitting there. I'm looking at my buddy that with there and we're like, oh, we, we love a cigar right, right? now. But then the funny thing is this massive oil tanker is coming through next to cross. Oh, you can't and they're smoke. the largest no smoking signs I have <laughs> ever seen. I'm not kidding. I have the photos. It like spans the entire width of this boat that's got to be God knows how many feet. Just no smoking anywhere because wow. the amount of oil that's on that thing. Lizards are known to break rules. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, as you go through these locks, 
even in smaller canals where they have to, you have to keep going through them. There's all kinds of people on shore who are, who are just, who have different responsibilities. I'm sure. Um, in terms of making sure, I mean, it's not a wide mm-hmm. canal. So if you got a big ship coming through there, there's really big consequences if yeah. everybody isn't communicating. So uh, uh, even in smaller locks, it becomes, mm. it's amazing how big of a boat can get through a small lock and you go, wow. Like yeah. in, they have to raise the water, lower sure. the water, sure. raise the water, it's lower the water. It's, 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 it's nuts. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, what's uh, funny? It's an engineering like, miracle. It is. It is. It's an engineering miracle. It is. I mean, we watched, so after you, after you go to the observation deck to see the canal, you then go downstairs and they have this huge IMAX theater and you watch this IMAX video on the canal that Morgan Freeman narrates. And it's so of wild. Course. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> great, the voice what, of God. Great what voice. doesn't he narrate? <laughs> exactly. I love that guy. It, you watch this video and they talk about the origin of it. Of course, the French first tried to build the canal there and, and failed. And what's wild is it was some stat like 10,000 Frenchmen died just trying to build that and they were unsuccessful. And then the US bought the rights to it for pennies on the dollar because they thought this is impossible. And we got very fortunate that, like, we had brilliant enough people to be able to figure out how to do it. Uh, the the whole thing is just unbelievable. America, America. Yeah. And, I mean, and, Teddy and by the Ro- way, you Teddy watched- Roosevelt was a big <laughs> part of it. I he mean, was. He was yeah. the president who initiated the development of the canal. Yeah, I mean, it, he was a real naturalist and did so many things that were just amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, to your point in the video, they show initially there's not much progress being made by our country and building the canal and Teddy Roosevelt is so hell bent. We are not going to fail. This thing's going to get built. Mm. He flies himself down to Panama is at the site going up to every, you see video footage of this going up to people asking like, what's going on here? What's going on there? And told them whatever it takes, this has to be done. And so then I guess he's like a really competitive guy. So he thought it would be clever. You think? Yeah. He's a, the, rough, the Rough Riders, <laughs> the Spanish American War. Uh, yeah. So he basically, <laughs> pretty tough. he had the project manager create a competition. They were working on opposite sides of the dam that they were building to see who could complete each side fastest. And like That's the production amazing. increased exponentially That's from awesome. there. And it was brilliant. It like accelerated the progress. So boys, we're coming to the end of the first third here on the Oliva Series V. Melanio Maduro Figueroa. What's everybody thinking? Bam's almost done. Uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> this is the second time I'm having this. I happen to love this cigar. It's very good. But I will say, I enjoy the retrohale more than I enjoy the traditional draw. It's good, but the retrohale, I'm capturing so many different things I don't get on a draw. Such a good cigar. Smooth, very smooth. I like that it's consistent. I mean, yeah. you know, all the way through so far. The flavor profile has been the same. Traditional Nicaraguan flavors that we like, mm-hmm. but delivered incredibly smoothly. The construction's held up. And even as I was talking so much about Panama, you know, I had to relight my cigar and beautiful on the relight. I haven't oh, yeah. lost any flavor. And what's unusual, that hint of fruit for me continues. Oh, it's still there. It really is. Yeah. And that's that's a testament to this, and it's unique to most Cuban, uh, Nicaraguans. No, it's it's very good. It, I mean, like I said, it's it's very much like a padrone. Yeah, you know, if you compare it to the eighty, it's it's not like has that much body, a little bit less than that, but it delivers phenomenal. It's a great stick. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting a lot more, like it to be very 
um, you know, cocoa, f- f- you know, forward or, you know, uh, coffee uh, flavoring. And then it's not there at all. It's very muted for me. I do get a little bit of cocoa, but very, very muted. Um, but yeah, excellent. It's very balanced. It I is. Agree. You know, there's not like one dominant flavor note that you no. get. Yeah. It's, it's very balanced throughout. Yep. I'd agree. It, it is very balanced. It's, it's a little bit one dimensional. I don't know if that's an if that's a merit or a demerit in the cigar, but it's not bringing me like it, it's similar to the other Milanis that I've smoked. It, it's kind of very straightforward in mm-hmm. its delivery, and I think that's okay. He's not wrong. You know, the sake of for the sake of what it is, it's the consistency is what gives you that dimension. But it's such a it's so good though. Because a lot of people right? aren't looking for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like some people just want, hey, I'm going to get this. That's not a demerit here. Yeah, yeah. like, and it's going to give me what this is. It, it's, it doesn't really change up for me that much. But that's been my experience with this always. I'm loving the combustion. Yeah, same. I, I am yeah. so impressed with how little effort I have to put in to get a massive mm-hmm. amount of smoke out of it. I'm finding it to be really smooth. Like, I'm definitely going to, I feel like if this continues like this, like, this is going to potentially be, this is going to potentially be a contender for, you know, rotation, especially in those moments where you want something like that 80th or the feel of the 80th in your hand, but you don't want to go to that level of of Nicaraguan tobacco. I probably would have never picked this cigar up, but discovering a cigar like this just adds to your repertoire. Senator Puba, you guys are always traveling. So when you're at a place where they don't have cigars that you like, if they have a box of these, you're going to be very happy to smoke this. Happy to get it from someone as a gift at, a, at an event. Yeah. This I mean, is a really good cigar. You would find Olivas pretty much. They're ubiquitous. Yeah, most They're most everywhere. tobacco shops. That's true. Most yeah. cigar shops. The, the only demerit I would give to it is that the one dimension, the one dimensionality of it, it get I get a little bored with it. Mm. Like I want it. I want it to pick up towards the end, and it's not. It might. So just kind of like still might. I've, in other words, in a robusto format. If that was to deliver like this, and it was a quick cigar, this is giving. This is just a. I can find myself getting kind of a little uninterested. I would like to try this in a petite Corona. That's what I was saying. Just I like you'd love it, you know, like quick, like bang. a small package, yeah, small oh, package, yeah. or oh, like yeah. a robusto. They make a robusto. I mean, robusto is still like an like an hour smoke for me. The mm. thing, right? The thing that's weird to me about the Milanio line, having had now this the robusto, and I just realized I have had the Petit Corona. I, I'm just telling you from from my perspective, the flavor profile for some reason in the robusto and the Petit Corona are very different from the flavor profile. Of this, like those cigars, have a lot of barnyard. I don't get any barnyardness. They do. Which is my jam. Like, I don't get any in this. I'm mm-hmm. not a big barnyard guy. If it's going to be in a cigar, I want it just very little subtle in the background. I don't want a ton of it. And on both of those other Vitolas, I get a lot. Like, I get on this, like, raisin and dried fruit. I don't get that much dried fruit no, from um, those others. I get more, like, cedar and just a right. dash of cocoa. No horse foot in that? <laughs> you, you're <laughs> a very urban guy. You're right. You're right, because I've had a number of the Robustos, and they're not the, – the blend is different. Yeah. Because um, I have a friend who smokes the robust, these Robustos, and he gives them to me all the time, every time I see him. And I'm sure you feel like you're sitting in a barn as you're puffing away on that thing. <laughs> well, it's not, but it's not like 
you're like, oh my God, this is bad. You're just like, I'm not going to pursue it, right. but I can totally smoke this right now. It's not, it's not offensive in any way. It's just not great. I would love to see a cigar blended with some Cuban and Nicaraguan tobaccos somehow. Oh, that would be fun. That'd right. be we'll interesting. Yeah, we'll Nicaraguan tobacco with the strength. That could be the, the first lizard and Vitola. The, and the nuance <laughs> of the Cuban tobacco. Yeah, we'll, dude, we'll, get like, we'll get like Arnold and Sly. We'll like fly into Cuba <laughs> with like some, some of those dudes, you know, like what, what was the commandos, the commandos. What was the movie with all the tough guys in it? Oh yeah, I know the expendables. expendables. Expendables, expendables. Yes. Yeah, we get them. Yeah, we 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 get those guys to come. Covered, covered up. Covered up. <laughs> we fly in with like a C one thirty. We land it. Then we get all these polones. We get all these piles. We, we we haul them onto a plane and get out of there. I can see the State Department's going to love this whole thing. <laughs> I can see Gizmo with camouflage right. paint on his face. <laughs> I already need with, it going with, through uh, with his night goggles, night control. vision goggles, sneaking through the factory. <laughs> it's not the it's not the war of pigs. It's like the war of polones. Six. <laughs> the war of six. <laughs> the war of six. <laughs> all right, boys. Let's talk about our pairing tonight. We have the Glenmore and G, the Quinta Ruben. 14 years old, single malt scotch. Okay. Never heard of it. Picked it up in the... You've never had this? I've never had it. I've actually never had Glen Morangy in my life. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm actually really excited to sip it. I haven't even sipped it so far tonight. Wow. So Okay. Uh, 14 year aged, single malt. You've never had the Signet? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Senator? Well, I have, of course. Oh. What's yeah, the Signet? I don't think he had. That's uh, like their highest. Yeah. Oh, one of their higher I, I've had that. I've had this. I mean, it's Delicious. well known. Oh, yeah. yeah. Delicious. So, Senator, what do we know about Glenn Morangy, especially so, this one, the 14-year? The funny thing is I've had a decent amount of their stuff. I've had the 10-year. Oh, actually, I haven't had that much of their stuff. I've had the 10-year and the Signet. They're on complete extremes of oh, price yeah. point. Um, and now this. But what I didn't realize, I mean, I know Glenn Morangy is a very well-respected uh, brand in, in Scotland, but they have 180-year histories. So they've been around a long time. It's amazing. They were founded in 1843 when William Matheson acquired the Morangi Farm, was the original name, and then converted it into a distillery and named it Glen Morangi. In 2004, the distillery was bought and is now owned by uh, LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, who owns like everything. Wow. Um, the distillery is in the Highlands region of Scotland, and their claim is that they have the tallest stills in all of Scotland which is why their scotch tends to be like lighter, more delicate, and and fruit a little more fruit forward than some other scotches. The stills are crazy. They're 26 feet tall and 17 feet wide that they distill this in. And fun fact, the giraffe has long been a symbol of the distillery because their stills are the same height as the average adult giraffe. Wow. 26 wow. feet. That's pretty knew. cool. That is, is cool. And like they're even serious about it. They're they like started this whole giraffe conservation project, and they do a lot of good work on that. Um, Glen Morangi uses a bunch of different cask types to age their scotches, and this story actually fascinated me. So all of their products for any of the different lines, the 10, 12, you name it, they start by first being matured in white oak casks that are manufactured from trees growing in Glen Morangi's own forest that they own in the Ozark Mountains. Of Missouri what? in the U.S. Wow. Are you serious? Crazy. That's amazing. Then it gets better. So the new casts are left to air for two years before they lease them to two distillers that use them, Jack Daniels and Heaven Hill, for them to mature their bourbon in for four years. After they're done maturing the bourbon for four years, then they give them back to Glenmorangie, who uses them to mature their scotch in those barrels. Hmm. 
So their original tenure is made exclusively in those ex-bourbon casks. All the higher expressions, the 12 and beyond, they're initially in those ex-bourbon barrels, and then they finish them um, in different casks that are either uh, previously used for wine, port, or sherry. Interesting. So they're big on finishing for all their higher uh, age Mm. expressions. Uh, The scotch that they make is entirely, all the ingredients they use are from the plot of land that the distillery is on, which is cool. That's pretty cool. They have their own spring where all the water they use comes from that spring. This is a grower scotch. It it pretty much is. (laughs) Gizmo has learned. Shouting back to uh, Vilmar and C, the grower champagne we did. I am very impressed. I'm getting intimidated by you (laughs) and your knowledge. And then just finally on their bottling. So they have their own bottling plant in Scotland that not only bottles Glenmorangie, but also bottles all of uh, Ardberg, another scotch. Mm. So pretty cool history. We it, haven't done Ardberg. We have to do, We should do one of them. It's we an do. extraordinary history, actually. It, yeah, that's a, wow. that's a rough one. Oh, Ardberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ardberg. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, I, I, I have some. I'll bring it. It's undrinkable. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, Can't wait. Is it peaty? Yeah, super peaty. Oh, okay. Uh, Beyond. So I was really confused by the name Quinta Ruben. Oh, and I left I, this out. Uh, yeah, and I, I found what it is. So well, Explain that, and then I'll give you a little so more. So Ruben uh, is uh, a Gaelic word. It's derived from a Gaelic word meaning ruby. And Quinta is what they call an estate in Portugal where they grow the gr- uh, grape for port. Hmm. So Quinta Ruben is ruby grape port. for port. So the funny thing is, and I imagine a lot of Scottish folks probably hate that this happened. When LVMH bought Glenmorangie, they they first of all they redesigned the bottles to these like curvaceous bottles, which I actually think the bottles it's beautiful. look really nice. Yeah, it's and very nice. When you see the Glenmorangie Signet bottle, I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. It is the single nicest looking bottle of Scotch true. I've ever seen. I, I love the shape. It's, true. it's almost um it's like a it's like a curvy woman. It's like a curvy woman, yes. Bam Bam approved. <laughs> <laughs> so that Bam was, Bam's going to give this a 10. That, that was the first thing they did. They changed the bottles. And LVMH, I mean, this is Louis Vuitton and every major high-end alcohol. They know, obviously, how to, how to brand and market these products. So that was step one. And then step two, their aged expressions used to be like anyone else, just the 12-year, the 14. They added these fancy names, the Quinta, Ruben, or whatever it's called. Uh, there's the La Santa. There's a, every one of them now has this like fancier name that I think they thought would just make it a little more marketable, make it sound higher end. But a lot of these names are, frankly, very divorced from Scotland. So I think a lot of Scottish folks were probably pissed. This mm. is a Scottish product. Why mm. are you, you know, giving all this credit to Portugal or some of these other countries? And we even see some French influence there, which it's a French company. So um, I think that part was a little controversial, but. Mm. They uh, nonetheless have preserved, I think, uh, a lot of their history, which is great. Do we know how much this bottle is? Yeah. So most places like Total Wine that anyone in the U.S. probably has one somewhere near them, it's 65 For a 14-year aged expression, that's quite a good price. It is. And I think yeah. they do a lot of volume, so they can be pretty competitively priced. I get a lot of orange peel in this. I'm curious citrus. to say. Not citrus. <laughs> You know, you got to cut his mic. <laughs> that is citrus. Orange okay. peel is not citrus. I get just Oxygen a- doesn't oxidize. <laughs> What's going on here? Hey, that was last year. <laughs> a hint, just a hint. All right, go ahead. So I love reading. I always love reading the flavor notes that, that the pairings come with because they're always so, you know, verbose and kind of over the top. So they say here that Dr. Bill, who's their director of whiskey creation, Dr. Bill, 
was born with a taste for adventure, and with this single malt, he sought to create a whiskey as unpredictable as his travels. Quinta Ruben is a whiskey journey into the wild, a dark and delectable forest where the wind whistles with gusts of peppermint and dark swirls of chocolate can happen at any moment. I feel like I'm reading Willy Wonka. <laughs> In our giraffe high stills, as Senator was mentioning, it begins soft and fruity, then gets darker and deeper as we let it age for 14 years in bourbon casks and port casks from Portugal. The finished whiskey is a thicket of voluptuous flavor combinations, walnut and black pepper, mandarin orange. Bam, bam. There you go. Wow, he nailed it. There you go. And melted marshmallow. You missed that one. Yes. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Dark chocolate. (laughs) I'll make sure I look for it next time. (laughs) Dark chocolate bar and peppermint. Like stepping into a chocolatey, minty, orange unknown, the journey is as delicious as the destination. Hmm. Very dramatic. So has anyone had this without ice tonight? I have not. I had a little ice in it. So I had this neat. It For a 14-year-aged spirit, it's a little tough to drink without ice. With the ice, it's pretty enjoyable. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I took a couple sips without ice, and it's tough. It was. It had a bite. Yeah. But with ice, it opens up, I think, really it does. nicely. It does. It's interesting. It's different than an, it's. It has a different flavor profile than anything that I've yeah. had in a long time. Agreed. I'm not sure how much I like it, but I don't hate it. There's nothing offensive about it. It's just, I I actually think as kind of ostentatious as the description is, it it, it it's not that inaccurate. I mean, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you know, the it, only thing it, I'm not getting yeah. is the peppermint and peppery. Oh, I'm getting a little of that. I'm what? not getting. That. I get a little bit of mint. No marshmallow. I get a little bit of the mint. <laughs> I don't get all that citrus. It's a little bit like confused. And maybe that's because I just like a sherry forward scotch and that's kind of what I'm into. Or on the other hand, like a talisker where it's a more balanced, um, uh, you know, PD scotch, you know, where it just says, it says what it is. It's, I don't know what this is. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's fair. I mean, the, the funny thing is having only had the 10-year and the Cigna, and I'll just scrap the 10-year because it's a very basic standard fair scotch. There's no complexity there. But the Cigna, you know, when Puba said, I, I feel like I've not really had something like this. There's not necessarily something to compare this to. It's just different and hard to kind of figure out or make sense of. The Cigna, I have never had a scotch that remotely tastes like Len Ranji's Cigna. It is literally like drinking espresso. It, wow. it is just, when you open that bottle and smell it, it's straight espresso. Yeah, really? I've never had a scotch like it. And what I'm realizing, even in drinking this, like this amalgamation of flavors is pretty distinct. Like, I don't think any of us would compare this to, you know, this is similar to some other brand. No, no. It's, yeah, not. it's not. And what I'll give them credit for, I mean, I like it. I'm not in love with it, but- they have really done a clever job of creating very distinct, differentiated products in a way that I think there's so many other scotches I have where I'll have a 12-year of something and I'll say, well, this is similar to another 12-year, but it's not as good, and I just prefer that other one. For me, this is just like this flavor profile, which is fairly complex. And unique is unlike anything else, and I yeah. like it, but don't love it. But I would never, it's not competing with anything because it's really carved out something for itself, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. It reminds me of when we reviewed Little Rest. But Little Rest was so much more elevated 
than this in terms of its refinement and delivery and uniqueness that it that the little rest was it, it, it was an elevated american scotch experience or not american single malt american sorry thank you american single malt experience that you didn't really have a spirit like that but it was so much more refined than this oh yeah um, i agree but it's a good comparison in that that it's that's unique, a brand that like, also carves out something very unique yeah, and different that's unique catch. and different you know it's like this is definitely unique and different the little rest was unique and different but so much more elevated i'm not trying to do an a b rating uh, I, i'm just saying this is a little bit out of left field for me. I've never really tasted a scotch mm -hmm. that's got a flavor profile like this. I don't love it, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I could see how somebody could. Um, so, you know, whether it's a merit or not, who knows? I think that it's differentiating, which in when it comes to single malt scotch, that's tough to do. It really is. I think it's a big time merit that it can differentiate itself. Yeah. I also yeah. saw that it's 92 proof. It's 46%. Is really? it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's a little higher proof than a lot of the scotches Which that we're used to. Which explains why the ice is needed. That yeah. does. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, when I saw that, I was surprised because I only had a few chips of ice, but it doesn't drink hotter to me than, than with the ice anyway, than, than a lot of the, the single malts that we drink, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit higher. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'm just surprised because there are some higher proof scotches that with ice still have much more of a bite than this does. This I is mean, true. with ice, this is super smooth. It's very yeah, smooth. It is, yeah. And it's enjoyable. I'm not going to turn it away if someone offers a glass to me. And I think yeah. it actually is pairing quite nicely with this, I would say, medium full, medium, medium full cigar we're smoking tonight. So when I saw online, I was kind of researching this as I was, you know, you know, prepping for the episode. I saw that other scotch and whiskey drinkers, when they talk about Glenmorangie, they point to this one as being the best mm. of the lower end core line, like the four or five that they make that are pretty standard and available, not the Signet that we discussed earlier, which I think is a whole other yeah. ballgame. But they said that this is their favorite, so that's why I grabbed this one today. You know, So boys, what are you guys thinking about the cigar right now? But We're about halfway through here. I think I kind of agree with Puba on this one. It's starting to get a little boring. Mm. Yeah. It's getting, it's like the same, I mean, I think I would enjoy this cigar in a shorter format. Like the, the last third, to me, it's, it, it, it is kind of becoming boring. It's like too, mm. too repetitive. Okay. I'm looking for more strength. I'm not getting that. Well, if you get to where I am, I'm a bit further ahead. It does, yeah, it does start pick to up. pick up a little bit. I will say, though, in terms of the flavor profile, I, I think I'm in agreement with Puba and Rooster in that, um, you know, I think the challenge that this cigar has is they've done such a good job of making this so smooth and so approachable that because it doesn't change a whole lot and the flavors are there, but all very kind of subtly playing together, you're left wanting more or something more interesting. So it's easy to get bored because of that. Where if this were punched up a bit more, you know, you, you might not be as bored as I think we are late in the game with this cigar. Right. Or if it was a shorter format, right. like the first third of the cigar up to the halfway point, I mm -hmm. think it was very enjoyable. Yeah. But now it's like kind of like I'm looking for something more and I'm not getting it. But it's still consistent. Oh, it is. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's all of it. I mean, okay. it's all the same. It but continues to carry through. It yeah, continues it, to carry. It, it's but consistent, you're looking for but more. it's a little bit of demerit 
maybe in the cigar okay at I this agree. point okay Giz, what are you thinking i actually i'm really enjoying it i i for what it is uh, i'm loving the smoke output i love how it feels in the hand i think as senator has called out on previous episodes i think the fact that it's one-dimensional isn't a problem for me in in where i would kind of place this in a rotation or or, or where i would choose to smoke it you know I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying so- it if it's one dimensional and if that dimension is enjoyable, I can't say that I won't smoke the cigar again. I just can't say it. Yeah. I, I'm But I understand what they're saying. I'm fine with what they're saying. I totally but for agree. Me, this is a yeah, cigar that's I, working. I get for what me. they're saying. Initially it was very reminiscent of the eightieth, where the draw was excellent. Yeah. You know, like uh Giz said, you would kiss on it and it would just blow really well. Um as uh, time has progressed, I've found that the, my draw has become a little bit more uh, re- resistant, which yeah. I don't mind. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the cigar itself has become extremely soft, mm. and I'm not sure what's driving that. Mine is wide open, by the way. I agree. Mine too. Agree. Maybe take another little cut. You know, Maybe, yeah. as you're getting down. And um, yeah, and even in terms of the flavor profile, I think I'd be. I think from the very beginning, I felt that some of the flavors were a bit muted. I'm seeking something more. Got it. Yeah, it lacks a level of sophistication. You know, at first, in the first third, I'm I'm with it. But the second half of the cigar, you're just kind of like, eh. Well, here's my question. Let me ask you a question. You said the word sophistication. When I'm picking up the cigar, when I look at the cigar, when I think about Oliva, I'm not thinking about sophistication, and I'm not expecting sophistication from this cigar. I am in 100% lockstep with you. I'm expecting value, yeah, and I'm expecting a, a good, good quality a good, cigar. Good quality constructed cigar yeah. and a good smoke output, good combustion. Yeah. That's what I'm expecting. So I understand the format maybe would kind of lead you to think, especially next to a Padron 80th, it's sophistication. That's sophistication all day. I don't think this was designed to be but that. for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, right? I think everybody's making, for me, very valid points in the sense that I don't disagree with anything Giz said there, but I also don't disagree with Puba in the sense that because this cigar is a larger format, it just, to satisfy someone, even if it's meant to be a value, it, it's just going to need a bit more <laughs> to hold your attention all the way through. That's fair. And I think that's why, like, we keep talking about, like, you know, Rooster's suggestion of this being in a shorter format, like, that would keep all of our attention. I think what everyone here said, the first third, everyone, Puba himself said, the first third, I was there with it. It was the second half that it lost me. If this were shorter, we would all be there, but because of the size of it, even though it's meant to be a value, it just is going to need more to hold your attention all the way through. Right. Yeah. And by the way, only smoke sophisticated cigars. I know. <laughs> You're a connoisseur. A connoisseur corner. <laughs> so like I said, boys, this cigar was named Cigar of the Year 10 years ago now by Cigar Aficionado. Number one. Got a huge rating from them. And now it's time to do our favorite thing that we do each year, which is go through, and that's I'm being very sarcastic, <laughs> go through the Cigar Aficionado top 25 cigars of 2023 so i'm curious how many of these we've actually heard of because the first one here at number 25 is the west tampa red robusto which is uh i guess an alumnus of general cigar a guy named rick rodriguez left and started his own company last year west tampa tobacco in 2022 and that is listed as number 25 on the list a never heard of it 50 by 5 robusto Nicaraguan. Only available in Tampa. <laughs> West, West Tampa. <laughs> Number 24 is the Padilla 
Miami, 8 and 11 Churchill. So I like seeing a Churchill on there, of course. 48 ring gauge by 7. Same makeup almost as this, filler and binder, Nicaraguan wrapper, Ecuadorian Sumatra. And uh, they make them in the United States, which is pretty cool. That's number 24. Number 23, we did this one on the podcast. First Cuban on the list, the Rafael Gonzalez, Corona de Lonsdale. Oh, yeah. Which was a 48 ring gauge cigar by five inches. We did that on episode 105, and we gave it a flat 8.0. They gave it a 93. <laughs> so 13 points higher than us. First Cuban on the list. So that's cool. Here we go on a pronunciation. Number 22 on the list is the Osgener. <laughs> Osgener Family Cigars, the Bosphorus B52. 52 ring inch cigar by five inches. Similar makeup, Nicaraguan filler, binder, Ecuadorian, Nicaragua, and the wrapper is Ecuadorian. Uh, this guy is Tim Osgener, who ran uh, CAO for quite some time. So that's his, uh, his new brand he just founded. This one I'm surprised to see so high up on the list. Number 21, the La Flor Dominicana Double Lijero Lancero. I think ah. we... Oh, Lan, oh wow. So we've never done that, but I've had that cigar. That is quite... It's a, it's a punch in the face, oh, yeah. I've heard. It's very strong. I mean, in the name, Double Lijero tells it's you that insane. it's yeah. going to be a strength bomb. I used to like it back in the day. You're talking about the chisel. That the chisel, too, yeah. but I've had yeah. this as well. The yeah. chisel is also... The chisel is... Uh, that'll put hair on your feet. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a 38 ring gauge by seven and a half inch uh, Lancero from the Dominican Republic. Number 20, we did a, a version of this cigar, the Olmec Claro Corona Gorda. I believe we did the Robusto. That's right. This is a 48 ring gauge cigar by five and a half inches from Nicaragua. We talked a lot about that cigar. It performed pretty well. Number 19, the Foreign Affair by Luciano Cigars in Corona. 42 ring gauge by a little under six inches. Nicaraguan. Never heard of that. Have you guys heard of that? No. Luciano? Uh, no. Uh, it didn't, didn't they have that here? No, you're talking diesel now. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I met a guy here, I'm telling you. I was here with you that day. Represents that brand. Yeah. Who had handed me one Maybe. of their cigars. Maybe. I'm telling you, we have at least heard of it. And Senator loved it. No. <laughs> you liked it as much as the acid. Yeah. <laughs> Number 18, the Tatuaje, the first entry from Tatuaje on the list, Miami Havana Cazadores, which obviously borrows name from that cigar we love from Tatuaje we've done that's on the, the podcast. Petite Corona. Petite, Petite Cazadores. Cazadores. Oh, that's a great cigar. 43 ring gauge cigar by six and three eighths inches. Of course, it's uh, made in the U.S. by Tatuaje, filler binder, Nicaraguan wrapper, Ecuadorian, just like this cigar we have uh, in our hands right now. Number 17 is the Nicaraguan Monte Cristo, 1935 anniversary, Edicion Diamante Grande, which is a big Jesus, that's a lot of 60 words. by it is. 6. 60 Oof. by 6. All Nicaraguan. Certainly nothing close to the Monte Cristo right. uh, from Cuba. 60 no. by 6. 60 by 6. The world's trending the wrong way, boys. This is a cigar we have coming up on the podcast, actually. Number 16, the second Cuban entry. The Cohiba Pyramides Extra. Awesome. Which is oh. a 54 ring gauge cigar by six and a quarter inch. I can't wait to uh, record that episode. We have that coming up. What ranking is that? What number did it get? That Seven. is number 16. That's a crime. And we have that cigar coming up next week, actually. That's a crime. That should be much higher on that list. It's a we're, crime. We're going to smoke that next week. So that'll be great. Um, I've heard very good things about that cigar. 
This is a this is a great one. I'm happy to see this on the list, boys. This might be a lizard influence. Number 15, the Ashton VSG Illusion. There you go. There we go. They gave it a 94. Yeah. 44 ring gauge by six and a half inches long. So we did that on episode 51. We gave it an 8.8. That's a great cigar. Great cigar. We love that cigar. They gave it a 94. That's a Dominican Republic. This one is Caldwell Cigars, number 14. Caldwell Cigars, Long Live the Queen, Ace of Hearts. We did not love the Caldwell Cigar we did. Very different one, a different line than this. Did we do The Queen is Dead? We did The Queen is Dead. Long Correct. Li- or the Queen's the King sword. is Dead. No, we did The Queen is Dead. Yeah, we did The Queen. Sword. They, ha- they have a lot. They have they a have lot of So cigars. many different... Uh, they did, and they lost a lot of stuff, too. Mm. Yeah, they had a fire. Right. That's right. So this is a 52 ring gauge by 6-inch uh, Dominican Republic cigar with a bunch of different types of tobacco in the blend. Cameroon wrapper, Indonesian binder, and the filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan. That's number 14. Number 13, My Father, Le Bijou, 1922, 100 años, limited edition, Corona Especial. That is a mouthful. That's a lot of words. Hashtag marketing. (laughs) 44 ring gauge cigar by six and a quarter inches long. They also gave that a 94. It's just amazing. That's crazy. They're giving cigars this high in the list. 94s. It doesn't make any sense to me. Number 12. Another one that's a Nicaraguan version of the Cuban cigars we love. Trinidad Espiritu Series number one Bellicoso. 52 ring gauge by six and one eighth. Fully Nicaraguan by uh, AJ Fernandez and Altadis. I'm just curious. Has anyone had a, a, a new world Trinidad? Trinidad? No. no. And, will, and never will. <laughs> no, I probably... That's not something I'm looking forward to. No. So we have the third Cuban on the list. This is an interesting one because it's a really expensive cigar. It's the Romeo y Julieta Linea de Oro Hidalgos, the 57 ring gauge by four and seven eighths inch uh, entry from that line. That's very similar to the Monte Cristo 1935 line from Cuba, the mm-hmm. Linea 1935, the upcoming Partagas Maestro which has three cigars. This is very similar, yep. um, offering three cigars in a very expensive, I think they're 70, 80 bucks a piece. Oof. And that's a 57 by under five inch. Very expensive cigar. I think they misplaced a decimal point <laughs> on what the value of that cigar is. <laughs> and they be. gave that cigar a ni- uh, 94 as well. Yeah, there were three in that lineup, I think. Yeah. Hidalgo. They usually do three in that Noblis special lineage. and something else. I'd love to see something fantastic from... From R and J, yeah, yeah. I think we nice. all feel the same. They need I, it. I, I, I would love to. I would love to hear, you know, hear anecdotally uh, through the forums we're in that somebody really liked this the cigar and it, 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 and that it honored R and J's DNA. And you know, like I've said in the past, those Churchills in the tubes were great. In the 90s, they really were. The, 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 the late 90s, they were actually, they were wonderful. I just don't know what happened. I, I can't find an R, if, if a listener out there has, a, has an R&J that they think is fantastic, make the recommendation. I'm happy to try it. But yeah. I have yet to, to smoke something as of late 
The white Churchill is decent. It was okay. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, if Puma, no, if what it's Puma, okay. I, I've had it many times. Yeah, I have we a want box. Something great from that brand. If what yeah. Puma so says, when we go to Cuba next, we will be speaking to the RNJ blender <laughs> and we'll see what we can do. But it's like the shop right of of of. <laughs> it's like talking the shop right. Like, so true. Like I want true. I want the shop right. Like like you know. Uh, you want the she cake, right? Shoprite brand, Shoprite brand, the like you know the private label brand. It's like some kind of weird private label would, Cuban I would, cigar. I would say it's more like Stop and Shop. Right. Fine. Too many They're mutations right. in the R and J DNA, yeah. and none of them are great. That's the problem. Like if we found a cigar that Poop was talking about, that would be the comeback story of the year. It'd be if comeback. We had a great Romeo experience. I think we would be. Dancing around in the room, if it's we true. were able to it's find very a, true. a Romeo, it's like a, that would... some kind of like private label Cuban that means nothing, <laughs> and and unfortunately, it's one of the biggest in the world. I don't understand why. I don't understand why either. So, boys, we're into the top ten. Number ten, El Pulpo Bellicoso Grande, a fifty-eight ring gauge cigar by five and three quarters inches. Filler and binder, Nicaraguan wrapper is Mexican from AJ Fernandez. Weren't you smoking so, one of those cigars? It's a it's a full cigar. Yeah. yeah. Like a rooster cigar. I wonder oh. why they call it the pulpo. I pulpo know. is the octopus. octopus. I don't get it. Maybe it has a lot of legs. <laughs> it transforms. A lot of structure. A lot of body. Lot of structure. Yeah. Suction cups. A lot of different notes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Blocking. <laughs> Number nine. Another Nicaraguan. La Aroma de Cuba. Mia Moore. The Bellicosa. We did another cigar from that line. Yeah. I think we did the Robusto. We did. Uh, 54 ring gauge cigar by five and a half inches. Nicaraguan, like I said, filler and binder. And wrapper is Mexican. Number The Mia Moore won Cigar of the Year once. Did it? Did. Oh, I did not know that. Number eight is a cigar that you get when you buy those uh, five-pack trial things from any of the big retailers. That's, the Alec Bradley Prensado. Not a good intro. Torpedo. Not a great <laughs> intro. They gave this cigar a 95 That's this year. That's insane. 52 ring gauge by six and an eighth inches. Honduran uh, wrapper and filler. Uh, also in the filler is Nicaraguan tobacco, and the binder is also Nicaraguan. But 95 on that, I'm surprised. Maybe we need to try it. That's a high rating, number eight. Number seven, we're going to be doing this one on an upcoming episode as well. The Drew Estate Blackened Cigars. That's the mm-hmm. Metallica cigar. James Hetfield did that with Drew Estate. The M81 in Corona. It's a 43 ring gauge cigar by five inches. Um, okay. mainly it's, it's manufactured in Nicaragua, a lot of USA tobacco in this. So that might be pretty cool. Cause we've had some good experiences with USA tobacco. That's true. Um, wrapper, Mexican binder, USA and Connecticut broadleaf filler, Nicaraguan and, uh, USA, Pennsylvania. Broadleaf. That sounds good actually. So we have that coming up, uh, on episode, I don't know what episode number it's going to be, but I think it's going to be in the middle of February. 43 cool. ring gauge. Yeah. By five. It's Corona. Nice. Pretty cool. You got to pair that with the blackened whiskey. And I do have yeah. that. We're going to do a full I Metallica mean, episode oh, in the yeah. middle of February. And that I will be sounds, singing. That, oh, yeah. That I actually, will be singing. That actually sounds interesting. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> You're going to sing? Oh, verbatim. Excellent. Another Cuban cigar on the list. Surprised to see this one so high. Based on the other guys in the room, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Number six, the Partagas Series P, number two. Nice. 52 ring gauge by six and an eighth. Of course, all Cuban tobacco. They gave that a 95. And now, boys, we are in to the top five. Of course, all the brands that we would expect to be here. 
are here. Number five, E.P. Carrillo, Allegiance in Confidant. 52 ring gauge cigar by six inches long. Classic E.P. Carrillo makeup, Ecuadorian wrapper, filler, and binder are Nicaraguan, like the cigar we have in our hand tonight. Number four, Rooster's favorite, the Rocky Patel ALR, aged, limited, and rare. Second edition Toro. We did the Robusto fairly recently on the pod. (coughs) Got a (laughs) (laughs) 6.6. 52 ring gauge cigar. Probably six and a half inches long, made in Nicaragua, filler and binder, or Nicaraguan. Yeah, I mean, how rapper could, is Mexican. How could that be ranked fourth? I mean, it's just, we could talk about that after oh we're done with the goodness. list. Sorry, it, it is a sophisticated palate. Wow. <laughs> I felt a little sick there. <laughs> Number know. three is the sister cigar to the one we have in our hands tonight, the Oliva Siri V Milanio in Toro, fifty-two ring gauge cigar by six inches long, identical makeup to this except this one. We have in our hand is the Maduro. Number two is a brand that we're very familiar with here, boys. The Padron Siri 1926, number 48 in Maduro. This is an odd size, 60 ring gauge by five and a half. That's strange. Nicaraguan Puro, of course. I think that's a newer release. It is very American. It is newer, yeah. yeah. Very fat lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Behind an oak mahogany. Am I wrong? I mean, no. It's 60 ring gauge. I mean. Yeah, that, that cigar came out seven years ago. And number one, as we mentioned on an episode recently, from Arturo Fuente, the Fuente Fuente Opus X Reserva di Chateau. It's a Churchill 48 ring gauge cigar by seven inches. Fully Dominican, of course, as all Fuentes are. Well, I would, I would give a golf clap to the fact that a Churchill took the number one rating. It's a good thing. And they rated that uh, 97. That was their highest cigar of the year. So, you know, when you look at the list, we've, we've beat this into the ground, so I'm not looking to do that again. But it is just interesting how after a year of smoking cigars, there's not two Padrones, there's not two Fuentes, there's not two Epicurios. It's you know what's shocking? 25 unique cigars. Oh, two Cubans. I, I don't think there was a single Davidoff. That's not a single exactly Davidoff. Right. Also, not that we're in love with it, but I saw some people very upset that Placencia didn't make the list because there's a lot of Placencia fans out there. There are. And, you know, they were very upset. No Placencia and no Davidoff. So it's like, I I really question the validity of the list. Of course. I you agree. Know? Of course. And I think it's it comes down to this process they have of going through all the cigars that they smoked through the year again. They review them again, supposedly blind, whatever. But why not just take the top 25 cigars that you reviewed in the year, throw those on the list. Why? Because it doesn't align with serving 25 unique brands like they did here. Yeah. What were the lowest rating for the number 25 cigar? I believe it was a 94. Oh, program. so there you go. Oh, that's wow. insanity. I mean, it is. Come on. How do you get Excuse 25? Excuse me, 93. I'm sorry. So how do, you, <laughs> how do you fit 25 cigars? I think it's interesting. I think it's very telling that there isn't a Davidoff on that list. Yeah. And none of us are like huge Davidoff, like fanboys because it's davidoff but i mean it is davidoff yeah and they make a they they really do make i think we've all kind of come around to that to that brand and kind of where we pushed it off a little bit but have explored it more explored different sizes in blend within blends where we thought maybe you, you may not have liked the blend but you tried a different size and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like in this size, this does really work for me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Overall, it's an impeccable marker yeah. for not to have a cigar in that list. I mean, Davidoff is such a big brand. Sure. At least one of their cigars yeah. deserves to be in the top 20. And only one Padron? One Padron right. on the entire list. Brewster, it has to be. Has to What's be. interesting, too, has to, be to this point is that, you know, aside from a couple of the Cubans there? are brand new. Like the Padron is was released seven years ago. The Fuente obviously has been out a long time. Like these are not newer releases from these brands. Like they've done in the past, where they, you know, kind of promote a newer release from from a manufacturer. So it doesn't make sense that a Davidoff doesn't make doesn't the list. Matter. I mean, no. the, the ALR, which is a dog shit cigar, has been in the top twenty five before. That's true. That's not the first time. No, yeah. he's right. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, they it's put out wild. such. They, they put out. They put out such quality. Whether you whether it's your price point or whether you like it or not, you can't deny. Yeah, you can't deny Davidoff in, in what it delivers. Now it may not be for everybody. I don't like everything in their in their catalog, but boy oh boy, they've got a lot of good cigars in their yeah, catalog. Well, there, there's one problem you that they I have. Mean? I mean, I get the magazine like all or most of us do. If you think of when you're flipping through those pages, there's no Davidoff. No Davidoff. No Davidoff. There you go. There's no Davidoff. You know, and and it's all and Rocky Patel, one of his cigars ends up in the top five. I yeah. think if you go back to the last, I don't know, maybe ten years, there's always a Rocky Patel in like his cigar the top ten. His yeah. cigar was the runner-up last year to the Cuban, so then he was able to say that his was the number one cigar that was available in the United States for right. an entire year. Right. And he still made the top five this year. It equates year. to ad spend. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you it know, really does. I just wish, here's what I would say. I wish that they would be a little bit more honest about the process. Like the assumption that the consumer who's reading that magazine, who's smoking these cigars, is stupid enough to believe that the chips are going to fall like this makes no sense at all. And I wish that they would just be honest about it. I think it's an opportunity for... A, a, an alternative cigar publication right at some point or podcast maybe yeah the lizard magazine <laughs> I, 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 I mean there's shit in the top 25 cigars there you're telling me there isn't one davidoff blend or vitola that makes it in there bullshit bullshit they should be buying more ads. i, I, I mean I, I i'm not trying to be vulgar here i'm just saying i'm calling bs yeah you're right the craziest thing to me aside from Davidoff not appearing or Placentia, is that it's 25 unique brands that somehow magically it just falls into place perfectly, yet they're smoking them blind. and It's like, come on, just stop it. Stop it. But anyway, boys, that is the Cigar Aficionado Top 25 list from 2023. Right. Thank you. And there we have it. Somewhat frustrating, as <laughs> per usual. Yeah, as per always. usual. So, boys, we're into the last third here of the Oliva Series V Melanio Maduro Figurado. What are you guys thinking? I like the cigar. I can't say that I don't like it. I do too. Yeah. So I, I have to say, I, I, I really got bored with it the last yeah. third. And what's strange about this is I had one of these prior, and I don't remember feeling this way. The first one I had- It's because of us. I felt like- <laughs> <laughs> The first one I had, I felt like it actually built up as I smoked it. And ended in a much better place. And uh, the last third, it, it, it's just dull. It, it's not interesting enough. Maybe it's something to do with the Giza's uh, tower. 
<laughs> you know he loves when you say that. <laughs> I mean, Pagoda Cigar was a little spongy, so yeah, you know. man. The the one thing I do have to say that if you do cut a little more, the draw does improve. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is classic. Those been fantastic. I'm just kidding. Any yeah, of those yeah, that yeah. come down to that that yeah. high point, you That's know, true. any I, I do that with the Davidoff Millennium. Same. I do it with the Padron 80. Mm-hmm. Any of those, you, you just take a little more off. It opens yeah. right up. Yeah. Like Senator said, the tar. start with small clips and just go your way. Go through it as you need to. All right, boys, it's time to move into our rating portion of the uh, episode tonight. We'll start with the Glenn Morangy Quinta Ruben, 14 years aged. Single malt scotch. Bam, bam, you're up. Yeah, I'm at a seven on this. You know, I, I I can't say that I hated it. Neat. It's, for me, difficult to drink, but with ice, it got better and better as I drank it. And honestly, when I finished my glass and I put my nose to the glass, the aroma is quite delicious. But overall, the drinkability of it, I'm giving it a seven for me. Pagoda. I think I'll be at an eight. Um, I thought uh, I was actually... Thinking about uh, the Glen Morangi, I think the 10 I might have had, which seemed very, very light and fruity, if I remember very clearly. Uh, I think from that, uh, in comparison, this is so much more my speed. Um, getting somewhere, like I couldn't figure out what I really enjoyed about it, but I think it left a uh, uh, longer finish than I expected. And it did make my palate a little more chocolatey. I don't know whether it was a combination of the cigar with this. Um, there was some sweetness to it, which I really enjoyed. Uh, very pleasant overall. Uh, I think medium viscosity. Um, I really liked it, so it's, a, it's an eight for me. Senator? So I, I think I'm in the same place as Bam on this. I'm at a seven. I, I will say, I do think it actually, it paired pretty well with the cigar. I think yeah. the flavor profile, so mm-hmm. that, that was good. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is I wouldn't, I will not pursue this. No. And, you know, the only utility for me in trying this is that if I was at an airport lounge or somewhere and what I normally drink wasn't available. If you were in prison. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm in joking. Pri- That's a joke. Or, or in prison and the, <laughs> no, no, and the no. scotch selection was limited. When we come back with those Cuban <laughs> piles of tobacco to make our, uh, <laughs> to right. make our cigars with Arnold. <laughs> But it's just, you know, if I'm in a place where what I normally pursue is not available and I saw a bottle of this, mm-hmm. I would drink it and I'd be satisfied enough. But is it good enough for me to actually go out and pursue a bottle after having this? It's not. And um, I think it either neat needed to be smoothed out, like maybe the proof's just a little too high for yeah. what this spirit's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to be at this proof, I, I need even more flavor than that's right. with that. So that's where I net out at a seven. So I'm also at a seven. I was kind of wavering between a six and a seven. I landed a seven. I thought it, it, it was pretty damn good. But for me, I think the word is sophistication. And Puba talked about that with the cigar. The expectation is sophistication. When I see a 14-year age yeah, on a box yeah, great or on a bottle, I'm expecting a superior experience. Absolutely. And I think that's a fair expectation sure. to have. You know, the presentation's amazing. It's aged 14 years. It, it has all the right makeup to be a great spirit, and it's just not. And this is certainly something I will not be buying again. Right. So it's a seven for me all day. Mild recommend. Yeah. Mild recommend. Puba. I'm going to give it a six because it just didn't really deliver anything particularly notable at all for me. I mean, it really didn't. It, it just, it's... 
it was a little bit confusing not to find for me there were there were these notes in there that i don't particularly pursue in a scotch i wouldn't pursue it again and i'm not saying it's i think your point is well taken it's a 14 year old age statement on a what a 70 70 dollar bottle of scotch 65 65 dollar bottle of scotch (laughs) i'd enjoy i i I would enjoy a a, a glass of jameson over this much more if you said a desert island you can have this or you could have a glass of jameson irish whiskey i would choose the jameson irish whiskey all day long if i had to drink it for the rest of my life yeah yeah and i'm just so for me it doesn't hold up to what the price point the age statement and you know kind of what it's presenting itself as so um i'm comfortable with the six so boys that puts the formal lizard rating at the glenn morangy quinta ruben 14 years at a 7.0. All right. Mild recommend. Mild recommend. Which is accurate. You can get so much so much better stuff at, mm-hmm. at 12, 12 years even, 10 years even. Oh, yeah. You know, at, at a similar price point that's oh, yeah. going to knock the doors off. Knock just like you said, off. go buy a bottle of Jameson for 25, 30 bucks, whatever it is. And go it's buy be a great. bottle Galvanine. of Green Spot. Yeah. yeah. Go buy a bottle there of Green go. Spot. Yeah. Or Red Breast. It's, gonna, it's so much more sophisticated to me, much more refined spirit. I agree. Than this. I agree. Am I nuts? No, you're you're right. All right, boys, now it's time for the formal lizard rating on the Oliva Siri V Milanio in Figurado Maduro. Brewster, you're up. You know, on the start, on the light, this cigar was phenomenal. I mean, thinking back to the commentary, I was kind of comparing this to an 80th, and a lot of us were. I mean, it started off like like very Padron-esque, but the last third kind of smoked more like an ALR. And so for that reason... Um, the beginning was maybe a nine, and the last third was like a seven. So I'm, I'm, I'm at a seven. Okay, Puba. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at a seven as well. I, it, it, it's, it's approachable. It's smokable. Put me around the, in a social situation, and it's gifted to me. You can smoke the whole thing, from end to end, from whistle to whistle, and. There's nothing offensive about it, so I'm not going to give it a six, but there's nothing exciting about it, so I'm not going to give it an eight. Yep. So I actually am going to give it an eight. I I am very happy with the cigar. It's certainly not a nine or a ten. I didn't expect it to be. I don't think it was built that way. I think this is a cigar, when you want that kind of Figurado in your hand, you don't want to go as far as a Padron or or something more full. You kind of want to... A pedestrian, Nicaraguan, great combustion experience, maybe on a a less full stomach, you know, you're in the car driving, you're not paying attention, whatever it is, a social situation, like Puba said. You're eating a salad while driving. Yeah, your hands (laughs) are full. At 70 miles an hour. Your hands are full. You know, it is what it is. You're paying a toll, (laughs) eating a salad, smoking a cigar. It's perfect. Because that's not good. I'm not paying attention while I'm driving. This is true. I pay attention. Oh, boy. All right. We have Uh, intervention. (laughs) Rooster dad. (laughs) I'm very happy with an eight. Uh, You know, I wish wish it got to a nine. It just was wasn't there mm. from the start. I, I, I thought it was always going to be an eight from the, the beginning. I wish it actually ramped up and, and got there, but it didn't. So I'm very happy at an eight. Senator. Yeah, so I'm, I'm disappointed just because when we started smoking this, I for sure was at an eight or a nine. And I was just waiting to see how this finished to decide which score I was going to give it. But 
the second half really fell off big time for me. And I think Puba's commentary is very aligned with mine in that there was nothing offensive for me in the entirety of the cigar. Like he said, would I smoke it if someone gave it to me? Or the you know example that we always use, if I'm in a cigar shop that I have to buy and they don't have what I normally smoke, would I pick this up and be moderately satisfied? Sure. But it's at a seven just because I'm not going to pursue it. And I'm just a little bit also confused and surprised because the first one I had, and I don't know if it was just, maybe I maybe it was my fourth cigar and I thought it was better than it was, but I just remembered enjoying this more. You were very so, enthusiastic at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm bummed. It, it could have been a great cigar. Yeah. yeah. Pagoda. Yeah, for me, it's a seven. Um, I found that the flavors were slightly muted for my uh, preference per se and uh in terms of uh, overall uh, the way uh, the cigar smoked now uh i did cut to listeners if ever you're having a draw problem please cut a little deeper yeah <laughs> uh, it really did uh, pick up in terms of the draw uh, even towards the end after uh, having uh, made the second cut um but overall just uh, the experience was somewhat flat uh seven for me all right bam bam yeah, you know, I can't add to what you've all said because it's all very accurate. But I, I happen, what I like about this cigar that if I am at a party, like it's like you've all said, it there's utility in this cigar. It's a pretty well-made cigar, beautiful combustion. I have been p- between a seven and an eight. I'm going to round up and be enthusiastic about the cigar. I did enjoy it the first time. I've only had this twice. I liked it this time, and I took it all the way down to a half inch. I didn't find any issues with it. I found that it finished actually pretty good for me. Eight. Yeah, I mean, any cigar that you can compare to a Padron 80th, yeah. that's a huge merit. It is. So it started off like that, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to order a box of these for sure. But by the halfway point, I'm like, I don't I don't think I'm going to do that. What's a merit for me that it, the smoothness continued right down to the half inch, and that, that's a merit for but me. But beyond the halfway point, it kind of got boring. I think well, those flavors kind of diminished very, to me. It, got, it, they, it they, didn't they, diminish for I me. Think the, the consistency is, continued, and that's one-dimensional. I think the word is very boring. All right. Toward, for me, okay. personally, it got really, like, flat. and and. And like this 80th notion, yeah, the first like maybe third of the 80th you could compare right. to this, but like the, the like the middle third of the 80th is like exponentially better, of course, than the middle third of this. Because it's it not even in the yeah. same class. Yeah, I don't think you can compare it. It's yeah. just not. And I just want to make a distinction. You know. It, I think many of us have said that the cigar is consistent all the way through, which I agree with. But the problem is for me in the second half, sure, the flavor profile of what I'm getting is consistent. Nothing new or different is happening throughout this cigar. But the flavor is getting muted for me in the second half, right? So the same profile, but I'm not getting as much of it as I was in that first third. And that's where I started to get bored, where I wanted to pick up as I'm smoking it. I don't want it to fizzle out. Mm. And that's what left me wanting yeah, a lot more. The middle know? third, but the middle third of the 80th is is amazing. It's divine. Yeah. Like, like it, 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 this doesn't even come close. It, it kind of just, it got to the second half for me, it, or the middle third for me, and it was it died. Yeah. I mean, any cigar that's blended should start off and then it should build. As you get closer to the end, the cigar should build. Mm-hmm. It should not get muted. The flavors should stay. The notes, you know, even if they don't change, it's they should build upon that, right? 
So the formal lizard rating, boys, is a 7.3. So I got to say, and, you know, I want to talk what, what Senator was talking about, the first one he had. I want to point to that because I do think that the exercise we do here is a little bit of, under a, a microscope, right? I had a very similar experience to Senator. I was thinking that this was going to be high eights, low nines when I had one in the lounge. And I think when you're in the lounge, you're in that social situation, you're talking, you're drinking, you're having a good time. You're distracted. You're distracted. Yep. When we come under the microscope here, it really reveals itself. Like well, we're really dialed in on these things. And that's where it, it almost ends up in a 15-point swing or 17-point mm -hmm. swing of where I thought it would be. And I think there's a lot of value in that. 100% agree. You know, but it's still a cigar that I think has utility here and, and there. Look, it's a mild recommend cigar. Yeah. Yeah. So, boys, a great night tonight. Pairings could have been a little better. The Glenn Morangy Quinta Ruben, 14 years, got a 7.0. It's funny using a Spanish accent mm. when you're talking about a single malt scotch. And the Oliva Serie V Milano Figurado in Maduro ended up at a 7.3, which was certainly a little disappointing, I think, for everybody in the room. And like we said, where it started, it yeah. could have been a lot better. Correct. All right, guys, great conversation. We'll see everybody next week keep smoking hope you enjoyed this episode thanks for joining us you can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website loungelizardspod.com that's loungelizardspod.com don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you have any comments questions if you want to reach out say hello tell us what you're smoking email us hello at loungelizardspod.com you can also find us on instagram at loungelizardspod we really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.